May I have your attention, please? Welcome to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad, where every week they will be sharing their experiences, insights, and opinions about working in the technology industry. Simply the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to get into the tech industry. You might be an individual that is wanting to change careers. Or you might be someone who's studying in university and don't know what path to take. So Jay, how does an individual get into the tech industry? Well, there are many ways, many, many ways. And I think we need to kind of focus on whether or not you're somebody who is transitioning from a completely different career altogether, different industry. Or if you're somebody who has gone through the education system, you study computer science, product design, or some other kind of related um, kind of course. And now you're saying, okay, I'm ready to go out to industry and get my first job in technology. <laughs> I think if we take the first option, which is some of our listeners might be those transitioning into tech, there's many ways that you can get the knowledge required in order to understand the landscape of technology, the history, the various different roles and disciplines and find one that suits you and your passions. Mm -hmm. So you could literally go into anything from like product management, UX design, UI design, engineering, be a project manager. You could be a business analyst, a product owner. There's so many different things like that you can go into, but read through the job description. So go on like a channel, a platform like LinkedIn, for example, or Indeed, and just look through the job descriptions pertaining to any of the roles that I just mentioned or just type in a word technology and see what comes up and whatever ones sound the most attractive to you look into course materials around that now my advice is to anyone looking to transition do not throw a ton of money into courses straight away mm. like don't do that mm -hmm. really take the time in the beginning to one figure out what it is you want to do or kind of what are the top roles that interest you and then go to your best friend which is YouTube mm. YouTube has so much content out there that to be honest with you in the future it could probably replace universities <laughs> like the content out there is so rich that you'll be able to find some really really educated people um, kind of on the on the subject matters right and you can go really deep in some places and start to kind of build up your knowledge understand the process or the processes that are involved in kind of building tech products and see where you would fit in that process in each of those roles and identify where you'd like to place yourself as well. And I'm not saying everything on YouTube is great. Like there's a lot of trash on there as well. And you would have to kind of filter out kind of what is good and what isn't. But as a starting point, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with various people kind of on YouTube who have really good content. And uh, so you can, I could be your filter. How about I'll be, I'll be your filter if you're listening and, uh, <laughs> you're interested in taking that path and just kind of trying something out and just yeah just kind of check out the content that's online first and foremost additionally if you're somebody who is a uni student for example or you've gone through the education system or you're self-taught designer self-taught an engineer make sure that you have a solid portfolio put together and not these portfolios where it's literally just aesthetic and it just shows the finished article but 
portfolios that go into depth about your process and the rationale behind why you made certain design decisions or build choices and the challenges that you faced when making those decisions, the assumptions you made, what your original hypotheses were, and also what the outcome was as well. So you, you can show a polished version to kind of showcase, yes, this is an amazing thing that we created or I created, but what recruiters are looking for, hiring managers are looking for is what value can you bring to the business and to the team like when i'm evaluating people's work like there's a small percentage of it which is around the finished article mm -hmm. like i've got a natural curiosity to see what you've produced and would i deem that good design or can i find any flaws in it or does it look half-baked or does it look like it wasn't well thought through mm -hmm. but the main thing that i'm looking at is process mm -hmm. and how comprehensive and how articulate you are at explaining the steps that you took mm -hmm. as well. And one thing that I'm going to kind of throw out there as well is especially people who are going through their first, going into their first kind of entry level position from from studying as well. Focus on business impact. Mm. So if you have created projects in your portfolio, what I found like even even like more seasoned kind of designers, like what I found looking at their portfolios is we did XYZ and then it led us to one, two, three. And it's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But no one goes beyond that and says, well, this is the impact that it had on customers. Right, right. This is the impact it had on the business. Mm -hmm. This is the impact that it had on the company's bottom line. And this is the behavior change that we were looking for. And this is how we achieved it. Like no one goes into that detail. And I don't know why. Like, because that's for me, that's like that's a given. That's like something we should, as the as especially as UX designers, we should be showcasing. That's the main thing to showcase. Mm -hmm. How did you drive behavior change? Mm -hmm that resulted in x result for for a company mm. or if you if you haven't worked at a company yet how would you go about that right so what have you so if you're you got your favorite app what flaws or usability issues have you found in that app and what's your hypothesis and what would you do to drive a different behavior change and what result would you expect for the company because we're hiring people to make impact mm. we're hiring people who can get in, get in and do the work, but they need to add value and need to be able to make an impact on the business and to our customers ultimately. And so, and, and I see that is missing from so many portfolios. Like I would say literally 95% of portfolios I see don't have, have that. And, that. and that's one of the things I'm mostly interested in. Mm -hmm. So always looking for that. And if I don't see it, I'm not, I'm disappointed. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's my take on it. But I'm sure kind of sad that you've got a differing opinion or, or would you say that it's the same for an engineer? I think um, for engineers, well, look, a skill set is a skill set and acquiring a skill is, is a difficult thing in general, right? And it takes time and it takes discipline and it takes a lot of grit and a lot of uh, input, right? So getting into the industry as a engineer, so if you want to become a self-taught coder or you want to um, build products, then defining first where you want to go is very important and it's going to save you a lot of headache in the future. So if you find that you're someone who's more on the creative side, you, you have that design eye or you have... You know, you're just, you really appreciate good looking things and you want to get into code and become an engineer, then it might be a natural place for you to become a front end engineer because you will still be in that area of design. 
Now, if you're someone who doesn't know what type of engineer you want to become, then this is the time and place for you to become agnostic with technology. What do I mean by that? So a lot of mistakes that people make, we all we all did it, like I, I did it as well, is when trying to learn how to program is learning a particular language. So saying, okay, I'm going to learn Python, the programming language. And then you just, you learn everything about Python. You learn the syntax and, you know, how to write Python, how to read it. And you use a tutorial or a course. But then once the tutorial or the course is switched off, you don't know how to write Python anymore because it's not the language that's the problem. Memorizing syntax and memorizing a language is easy. Memorization just requires repetition, right? And time. But becoming agnostic is learning how to problem solve, how to pro- how to program in any language. And that takes maturity. That takes a lot of time and effort as an individual. So you might start with one language and then, you know, you might throughout your career adapt to other languages and, and stuff like that. But so I think if you're an individual who wants to get into code, then find a language that's easy to start with, but don't create that mindset that I'm going to be a Python developer and that is it. Because now you're restricting yourself to too much. Mm. The second thing, if time is of the essence and you want to get into industry quite quickly, front-end development is a good option. Not the only option, but it's a good option because the, bar- the entry barrier is not that high. Whether you're a good engineer or not, that's irrelevant at this stage. It's your goal is to get into into the industry. And the fact of the matter is, there's so much work, well, despite the layoffs that we're seeing everywhere, Mm. but there's so much engineering roles out there someone or some organization will pay you for your skills even if they are entry level it might be difficult to find you eventually will find an entry level role now so if that's if that's your goal to get into the industry quite quickly then front-end engineering is a good option because it requires you don't have to become an expert straight away because every day on the job you'll be learning but you'll be doing some of the, the really basic stuff in the beginning you know like just basic css you know translating landing pages into design stuff like that you know this is something i call development Engineering is more of the technical behind the scenes stuff, you know, servers and stuff like that. So that's the first piece of advice is that defining where you want to go. If you want to become a backend engineer, then find a roadmap. There's many of them online Mm. that lists the requirements to become a backend engineer. But coming to your point about portfolios, now a technical portfolio, say you want to become a backend engineer and you want to showcase some of your work. Well, how can you do that? Because back it's not visual. Well, that's why we have GitHub. And GitHub is a place where engineers put their code. Because essentially hiring managers, you know, tech leads, VPs, CTOs, they want to see your code. They want to they want to see what you're showcasing, right? They want to see your skills. Skills equals value, value equals money, right? If you're someone who's in university and you're studying computer science or any technical degree then working on personal projects on the side and trying to explore many different things is probably the best um the best bet there because the fact of the matter is there's loads of students that come out of university they can't find jobs it's because universities teach you a lot of things at the same time and it's just you know because you've got deadlines and stuff like that you cannot find that you can you know knuckle down and, and find your what your passion is so that so you have a very broad you come out with a lot of broad subjects and you know if you want to get into the industry or you want to become hireable then and the fact of the matter is you need to specialize in something. But 
I would definitely advise against putting down any big amounts of money to learn the basic requirements of entry. So we're seeing this is going to come on to our next topic about boot camps. And oh man, not boot camps. You won't believe that there's some boot camps out there that have a massive admissions fee, but some of their curriculum, not all of it, some of their curriculum is based on free curriculums or free information that's already on the internet. Mm. So like they will refer you, they'll say in this lesson, we're going to learn this and these are the resources that we're going to use. And those resources are what? Public pages. Mm -hmm. So what are you paying for? YouTube. <laughs> Obviously you're paying for the instructor. Now let's just hope that that instructor is really good because if they're just sending you off to read free resources, then that's a problem. But why I'm against boot camps in general is because I think there's a lot of false promises. Like to say, Jay, I can make you a software engineer in 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Just pay me $20,000. It's the time frame, Right? Me, honestly. And I think that stress, that stress that you instill on yourself, you're firstly paying large amounts of money that might come from your savings. Mm-hmm. That might come from you taking a loan or something like that. So you've already created yourself some stress there. Or let's just say you have the money and you just, you just pay anyway. There's another stress you're creating. And that's how on earth am I going to become a software engineer in 12 weeks? I know nothing about software. So then what does that do? You put your entire reliance on the instructor or the bootcamp organization. And if you leave without achieving what they promised, what's that going to do to you? that's going to make you hate the technology industry or create a lot of self-doubt. And you know, that might actually be detrimental towards your learning process. So I think you need to take your time. And if time is of the essence and you need to get, like you, you need to find a job or whatever, then learn the basic requirements for entry, then learn everything you need to day by day. But to invest a large amount of time full-time because these boot camps some of them are full-time yeah, yeah so you you have to stop your work or you mm -hmm. might you know whatever i think that's detrimental to the learning process and then try and build the mindset to become a lifelong learner mm. and never say to yourself that okay i've learned enough now i don't need to learn anymore because that's not the case the more senior you get the more experience you acquire the more learning that has to take place so that's my short advice on how to break it in the tech industry no, definitely i think you're right on on a lot of things that you said, especially boot camps. Boot camps for the longest period of time now have been all the rage. And I feel as though it gives the wrong impression of the tech industry and, and particular dif disciplines within the tech industry. I feel like it, it has made things like UX design seem extremely easier and low barrier to entry to get into. And it devalues the discipline, right? And I know so many people, well, even one per knowing one person is one too many, but I know a few people who have gone through that process. They've gone, they've paid like over $10,000 on a course to get them into tech only to realize that they're unemployable. Mm because they don't have anything actually tangible to show or they don't understand the kind of real life applications of what they've learned through theory mm -hmm. and they can't articulate that well enough right because they haven't had that experience applying right. it right. to be convincing that okay this person knows their stuff right and they can add value mm -hmm. which makes it very frustrating to a lot of people who graduate quote unquote from these boot camps mm -hmm. now I would like to, I would like to know 
like the true percentages of those who have attended tech boot camps and how long it takes them to find work as well and what kind of companies are employing them as well and whether or not these companies are established whether they are startups or they're just you know kind of rough and ready trying to just get something out out there an mvp or something out there mm-hmm. you're good enough cool let's do it i'm just keen to know because i'm i'm not convinced i just see a lot of boot camps as being just money making schemes now. you mm-hmm. can make a lot of money from every single if if every person in your cohort in a class of 10 to 30 and they're all paying you over ten thousand dollars you're making so much money that why wouldn't you continue doing that right Right. but are there that many jobs out there where and when i say that many jobs that many entry-level jobs out there Mm -hmm. that these people can now go into because i bet anyone listening right now to go onto the job boards and type in engineer type in ux designer a lot of these companies are looking for seniors they're looking for people with a minimum of kind of two to three years experience in most cases so what chance do these people going through the boot camps have exactly right so i feel like it sets unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. and it leaves people who are graduating or the vast majority of them graduating in a very awkward and upsetting place to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um and i feel like you need to be very lucky to kind of be given the opportunity to kind of apply your newfound skills and another thing and i guess this is another reason why i'm not too fond of boot camps is i remember i was like a mid midweight designer so we're going back a little while and i was part of an event now the first thing i was a midweight designer and i went to one of these boot camp ux boot camp training things as a mentor as part of this uh, part of this event so i was mentoring people mm. as a midweight designer mm. on ux methodologies and practices etc okay you can kind of get your head around that to some degree mm. i suppose but then i got asked to be an instructor as a midweight as a midweight mm-hmm. how does that make sense mm-hmm. and then when i've done some digging on a lot of these instructors a lot of them haven't gained the experience or credentials to be instructors well the thing is the vast majority of students they're teaching don't have any knowledge of what they're going to be taught mm. so to the student it's, 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 they're the master yeah it doesn't matter if they're <laughs> Mr. Miyagi m- m- <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're midweight, yeah. uh, senior, whatever. But, you know, there's something very obvious about boot camps, which stands out. It's very obvious. And it just goes to show that they don't think about it on an individual basis. Mm. Is They're saying, generally speaking, I can make you a software engineer. Let's say, forget 12 weeks. Let's say six months. Let's just give them mm. even more time. But there's something very big they're missing here. Why are they assuming that everybody learns the same? Mm. It might take somebody one year, mm-hmm. two years. It might take someone six months. It might take someone the, their entire life. Mm-hmm. Why are they assuming that everybody learns the same? What is guaranteeing them that Jay and Saad are going to learn or become software engineers? None of them have a background in software engineering, both at the same time, at the same pace. Mm. And that's just me. That's just two people. Yeah, yeah. What about if you have a whole cohort of 30, 20 people? You know, that just that is an obvious sign that there's mm-hmm. something broken there. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong there. You know, I think boot camps would have a better position if they said, we can begin or help you begin your journey, help you begin your journey, put you on the path, mm. put you on the roadmap. But then 
is going to require you to do so much more work on your own. Yeah. But we can accelerate that by just pushing you in the right direction. Mm. But, but a lot of them don't do that. They don't. And it's a false promise that they're given. And what's so sad about that yeah. is that someone might be relying on this knowledge and this information. Might have kids, might have a family, you know, is, is so reliant on becoming this new person and acquiring these new skills. And then at the end, they don't feel satisfied with what they've learned or at the pace that they've learned. But that's why I compare them to schemes where yeah, I can get, understand that. it's borderline manipulation and kind of preying on not all but some individuals who are in situations where this is it for them mm -hmm. they need to make that transition mm -hmm. this is all I've got I'm going to throw it into this mm -hmm. and I've got to make it work and ultimately they're unable to deliver for these people and I think it's extremely misleading and I won't be surprised if in the future we see some of these boot camps on Netflix as a series or a documentary or Watchdog. Panorama <laughs> Yeah, watchdog. Because honest, honestly, it's, it's like borderline criminal, yeah. um, what some of these places yeah. are doing. And we just, we just want to make something clear. We're speaking generally. Yeah, we're not speaking about any specific boot camp. I don't even have one in, in my mind at the moment that I'm thinking about. We're talking about the, the false promises in general. Mm, around it. Right? We're not talking about any specific organization. Now, for those people listening that do want to break in to the industry and become an engineer, well, this is my piece of advice as an alternative to boot camps. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home for free. Find a roadmap of the particular engineer you want to become. Front end, back end, DevOps, full stack. There's many out there. Acquire the basic knowledge that you need in order to start thinking on your own and building small things on your own. Then do open source work. Mm, exactly. And why I say open source, because this displays something from the get go. You're using the new acquired skills that you have to work with others. Mm -hmm. So you're already showing potential hiring managers, potential VPs, potential CTOs that you can work with other engineers. And that is a, that in itself is a skill. And you're learning about how to uh, take constructive feedback and criticism. You know, when you submit a piece of open source work on GitHub and some of the senior engineers replying to your work and giving you feedback and doing that peer review what is that creating which comes on to our next topic you're being mentored yes exactly you're being mentored so it's just a positive rolling into another positive what are those positives well firstly you're saving a lot of money because open source work is free. The most you'd have to pay is for a decent computer and some internet connection, right? And then you're submitting your open source work, coming onto the second positive and being peer reviewed by more experienced developers and engineers. And they're giving you feedback, which you take away and implement to make your skills even more better. So now you're being mentored and you're being mentored for free. Mm. right so the most valuable thing that you're investing here is your time and that is what should be at the forefront of your investment not twenty thousand dollars ten thousand pounds or boot camps it's my time so imagine you have 40 hours a week that you can just let's just say you're not working mm -hmm. and you got 40 hours a week that you can invest in learning a new skill in the comfort of your own home and pay nothing to learn well in return what are you getting a new skill working with other engineers so that's free mentorship and potentially lining yourself up for a very good job because I tell you now the engineers that have open source work on their resume on their CV holds a lot of weight because a lot of these open source organizations are well known for example like Firefox Google Chrome free code camp where you can learn how to code for free mm -hmm. 3000 hour curriculum by the way mm -hmm. for free and then contribute back to them as an engineer to get experience 
brilliant idea and you can do all of this for free and then potentially be in an office working with some really skilled engineers as the outcome exactly and gaining some real experience as well exactly and this this answers the question the very famous question how do i gain experience without experience Ta-da. there you go that was pretty much the same example i was going to use avoid the boot camps keep your money in the bank or put it in some investments this is not financial advice but if you're a designer get all of the free material from youtube read books find mentors online through linkedin through institutes like bieber like design lab tons of mentors are available to you understand the practicalities understand the theory understand how to apply them effectively um, and use utilize the principles of design to start to create products redesign your favorite apps as i mentioned before but the, my biggest advice is freelance and if you go into job sites like Upwork and Fiverr to begin with, you'll gain experience working on real projects that when it comes to your first employment um, within an organization, there's actually something tangible for them to see and in some cases feel. And you can't replicate that with mock work that you're producing mm-hmm. through kind of some of these other um, kind of courses, right? Mm-hmm. And I know people from other disciplines are probably listening to this and being like, yeah, but you can't you can't do that with product management or you can't do that with being a big business analyst. Of course you can. You can. Like go on Upwork right now mm-hmm. and look for product owner or product manager jobs on Upwork. There are hundreds of people looking for that skill set exactly to join a part of a, a small team mm-hmm. sometimes even a bigger team mm-hmm. to grow their product and take their product further mm-hmm. there's ways you can gain experience and get paid for it as well and there's no better way as a designer especially speaking from my own experience than freelance it's all about freelance to get that initial foot in the door and then your work will speak for itself and then mm-hmm. you'll open up many doors yeah and also document your journey for for those coming after you document your journey create a blog post you know create your own blog if you don't want to create your own website and use medium use the various blogging platforms out there and document that journey personal branding is and a big thing massive it's imperative actually you know and don't just document the good parts document those difficult days you know and um that's another way you can showcase your work but jay what's your final piece of advice for someone to break into the tech industry ultimately do your research look at tons of free material youtube there's many textbooks out there seek advice from mentors go online look at the biggest companies that you admire or whose products you use find out who are in the highest places or work in the field you're looking to get into for these companies and reach out to them direct one thing about the tech industry is people are happy to help others mm-hmm. and they're happy to do it for free mm-hmm. in majority of cases mm-hmm. a ton like there's a ton of people who have reached out to me directly mm-hmm. and have asked me questions asked me to review their cv their portfolio ask for advice how to kind of get into tech or how to do xyz i'm more than happy to just help out and there's loads of people who are like me um, who are willing to do so as well so don't be afraid to do the upfront research but don't rely on these shortcuts these false promises that you're going to get from these courses who will say in three months you're going to be able to get into the tech industry that is just going to set you up for failure Mm. and disappointment what you need to do is gain the knowledge understand the theory and apply it through freelance work there's no better way to gain experience than dealing with real clients working within real teams and at the end having something tangible that you can display and showcase in your portfolio and document the journey as to how you got to that result that will create a compare 
a competitive narrative uh, for your future employers as well. And that's how you easily can get your foot in the door. And you can probably do it much faster as well. Yeah. Exactly. What about you, Saad? I, I what's, your, we, what's your final message to the people? I don't think we need to, to go any further than that. That was perfect advice, actually. And that's advice that I would have wanted to hear as a young you know, engineer myself. So I think with that, we're going to stop there and end the show. It's been Life in Tech with Jay and Saad, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone.